Welcome back, Rebels. We've got a bonus for you here. Over the next coming weeks, we've got this mini-series to accompany our regular scheduled programming. I'm going to be talking to the creatives behind the cameras and find out their creative journeys and how they're coping in isolation. In this episode, I'm going to talk to Anna Fowler, a brilliant photographer with a lot of experience. Anna's known for her beautiful fashion portraits, and in this episode, we really go into how to make a career that lasts. Still very important to work really hard at what you're doing and become a master at it because that's what separates you from people that will come and go. If you want longevity in something, you have to like be authentic about it. You have to to learn it and be really good at it. Hello, Anna. Hello. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> First podcast I have ever done, by the way. Is it? Do you listen to podcasts? I do. I've started listening to a few. There's um, a few photographers that have started doing some podcasts. But it's just nice to listen to people that do what you do, especially, especially now. In this time, yeah, having that bit of yeah. communication, do you find that helps you keep in contact with the scene? Yeah, massively. And also with what's going on, it's just you you need that for your mental health to speak to people that are, are going through the same thing that you are because the moment you don't feel as alone you can handle it a lot better yeah we've really found that with the podcast so for the fact that there is that connection that people tune in every single week and they know you're there it's kind of having that regular phone call that is always there waiting for you so it's kind of like you're going to instead of going to the pub to hang out with your friends you're stuck listening to us for the next hour Exactly. The only thing when I'm listening to them, though, you sometimes do want to get involved in the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Do you find yourself doing that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So would you say you've always been creative? Uh, yes, definitely. I come from, I grew up in a creative family. My dad was a photographer, so I grew up with a camera practically always in my face from a very, very yeah. small age, which is probably why I went the other way from photography and didn't really do it myself until I was 30. I don't know. I think when you see something so much, you're very used to it. And it actually sometimes makes you less inquisitive to it. Um, I feel like kids have that rebellious streak anyway, don't they? It's like whatever their parents do, they just want to do something different. Even if it's like something that deep down they would actually want to do. It's like, oh, I'm not going to do what they do because I'm my own person. From a quite young age, I was making TV shows in my bedroom. And that's what I wanted to do is be on telly, be a presenter. So I had a different focus from about 15 onwards um so I wouldn't have I didn't think about even though I did a degree in film so I spent three years being behind a camera I lie really because about two of those years I was just baking all the boys film <laughs> show reels for me <laughs> they're like we're supposed to be learning how to edit in the edit suite I'm like well you can edit one of my show reels if you want <laughs> so I had a quite a clear vision of what I wanted to do from a really young age and it was always, it was always creative. There was never a question of doing anything other than something creative. Yeah. So when you were younger, what was it you wanted to be when you grew up? Well, at, when I was very young, I wanted to be a counsellor. And then my mum said, no way, because you're way too, like, emo- like, you would take it all on board. Yeah. It would not be good for you. Um, and then within about a year after that, I decided I was going to be a TV presenter. A bit of a change. Back when I was a kid it wasn't as easy as it is nowadays to have like a YouTube channel or a film on your phone. Yeah. We were lucky we even had a video camera that I used to put on a tripod. And then anyone I knew was roped into being a pretend pop star on the couch or doing an advert in the advert break. What kind of adverts did you used to do? <laughs> Hair ones. <laughs> um, goodness knows, whatever it was at the time, probably chewing gum, toys. I was about eight. Yeah. So. 
Um, <laughs> I was very drawn in at the time. We had a lot of live television when I grew up in the 80s. Yeah. Even the 90s, it, there was more money in production. So live TV, which does cost more to produce, was a big thing. Um, we had the big breakfast in the morning, which was amazing oh, yeah, before great. school. Don't forget your toothbrush. There were lots of there were lots of real TFI Friday. There were yeah. really good live shows, and that's what I wanted to be involved in as I grew up because it just looked so fun. Things went wrong, and you just had to smile through it. I just was drawn to that energy of the live TV. So is that why you went to study what you did? So I originally studied English um, and theatre studies until I realised that the theatre. Well, on my first lesson, we had to draw a bit of paper out, and you were an animal. And you mm-hmm. had to go around the room being that animal to find your double because there were two of each. Uh-huh. And I was like a, a peacock, I think, or something. And within about three minutes of being a peacock, <laughs> I realized this was not for me because I was not taking it seriously. And 80% of the class very seriously wigging, wiggling along the floor like snakes. Okay. So I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I can't do this. I've got, I'm too sarcastic for this. So I dropped out pretty much um, after about a month. Actually, I realized the whole course wasn't right. And how did um, that feel at the time? Because like dropping out is quite a brave thing to do because a lot of people have that, like, oh, I don't want to let anyone down. Should I do it? Like, am I making the right choice? It wasn't good. Um, I felt like I'd let my parents down. Well, my mum and I had to come home and I'd got I think I'd gone I'd gone to Plymouth which from Kent is I wanted to get as far away from home as possible I grew up in a very small seaside town and I was like from 17 even younger I was like I'm out of here Mm -hmm. so I picked like the furthest away in the country that I could kind of find Um, I just wasn't ready I wasn't ready for university at 18 I didn't I didn't want to be at university. My, I think it was a trade-off with my mum that yeah. I could go and be a TV presenter if I got my degree. So I think when you're doing anything that's not authentic to, to you, it's never really going to go well. So it was actually a relief when I left, if anything, because I felt like the whole time I was there, I didn't fit in. I didn't relate to the people. I wasn't interested in the, in the course enough. So what would you say to someone then who's probably in that situation that you were then? Like, what would you be your advice? It's really hard, isn't it? Because you you feel like you know everything at 18. But mm-hmm. obviously, the older you get, you realize you know nothing at 18. But what you do know, what you can always know is what's in your gut. Like, yeah. you have that gut instinct from, from a small child. In fact, I think you're probably more aware of it as a child because you've blocked out the noise of everybody else. You can't please everybody in life. You have to obviously, you know, think about others and how they feel and what they want from you especially when you're under someone's roof but you really do have to go with your gut instinct on things it's not it's not worth pursuing something that really doesn't feel right to you because at some point even if you don't do it when you're 18 19 you'll do it when you're 40 or 45 and want to just completely change your life and it's better really I think to do it while you've still got more time ahead of you to love what you do so at what point did you decide like film that's what I want to go into well, so I dropped out. I had to go home, live at home, and I worked at immigration for a little bit in the docks in Dover, which was probably the only time I've had a real a real job in quite an office. Quite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it, I only lasted like six months or eight months or something. wasn't very good at it at all. So I was like, "Well, this isn't for me. I can't sit behind a desk, and I definitely don't want to be where I was." So yeah. 
I was like, how do I get back to London? <laughs> I need to get yeah. back to London. Uh, so I was aware that my mum was still kind of, I would like you to get a degree. So I thought, okay, that's, that's how I do it then. Let's pick a kind of London university. And if I've got to study something, it's going to be film because mm-hmm. I was obsessed. I've always loved film. So I was like, if, like, if I study something I'm passionate about, I enjoy, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, do all right at it. So that's how I got myself back to London. <laughs> and tell us about that that 10 year career. So my film degree I finished at 23. I had my show real ready to go. Um I'd already that, that been someone else built for you. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not very technical as you now know. <laughs> um, so I had that ready to go and it was literally back in the day where it was on was it on tape or was it on C- I don't know, but it was tape or DVD. So I yeah. you had to post it out to people to get seen by anyone. So I left at 23, at 24, I was sending out my showreel and I got called in for an audition for something. Um, it was called Bikini Beach, let's say. It's okay. probably not what my mum, my mum was thinking of, you know, journalism, the news. <laughs> Up comes Bikini Beach. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to audition for this. Anyway, I didn't get it, uh, which I was quite furious about at the time. And about three months later, I was handing out newspapers outside Good Street Station in London. Yeah. We do lots of different jobs when we're younger. But it was raining. I was with this guy that was definitely quite close to 50 at the time and an out-of-work actor. Yeah. And I was just like, this is miserable. Am I going to be you in 40 years' time, like still handing out these newspapers? And I got this call from the production lady, and she was like, oh, so – we gave the job to the wrong Anna. You were supposed to get it three months ago, but we called the wrong person and she oh, came wow. in and it obviously didn't work out. So it was your, like, please, will you come in? I was like, yeah. yeah. Threw my newspapers. Well, I didn't throw my newspapers. <laughs> very dramatic. I'm lying. Uh, and that was it. And then I got that job for about three or four months and then went to the next one and the next one, next one and worked in kind of interesting live television for uh, 10 years until I ended up at Sky for six years doing a poker show on Sky Sports. It's funny like what you were saying there about the fact that you looked across and saw the old man and thought he was say 30 years older than you and you're well like, I say old I'm close to I'm like not that like <laughs> now but when you're 24 50s like old. <laughs> but I feel like that happens to a lot of people where they literally look across to someone they're working with and think that's my future yeah and sometimes that in a good way and sometimes in a way yeah. that you're like I, I, I just didn't want to be that person that was still waiting for something to happen for the rest of my life I just I know what that feeling's like when you're waiting for, for your big break or your you know next chance or that job you want to get it's it can get desperate yeah so what, um, what what kind of stuff would you do in that desperate situation because I feel like the whole climate we're in at the moment is a p- perfect example of like a time where you can't necessarily go out and do the things that you want to be able to do. It's funny because you forget how productive you can be when everything is, when the ball is rolling. Yeah. I've been really lucky with photography has been a very opposite experience to television. TV was, oh, I was lucky I worked. I went for big, big, big TV jobs and didn't get there. And I was always like, why, why, why is this not happening? And then photography came along and I didn't put my foot down on it at all. I didn't ask for anything. I didn't. It just literally fell in my lap and it's been that way luckily for 10 years now. So I've had both sides of the experience and you forget that when everything's good and the ball's rolling, you don't actually become as productive as you could be. Because when I look back at myself on TV and I look back at my old Hotmail account, which I did a few years ago, every day I was sending out 
10, 15 emails to people all the time for jobs. I was just on it. And I forgot that that was even part of who I could be because it's been quite comfortable for the last 10 years. But it's within you. If you need to drag it out again, you can really become much more productive than you think you can. Yeah, for sure. What was it that made you pick up the camera then? I was kind of getting a bit sick of the TV show that I was doing. And I decided to do a life coaching course, more so for me to learn about it than to be a life coach. But I was just a very, I was learning at that point, a lot of, you know, uh, stuff about awareness. Um, So I did that course. And then after that, I, um, I'd met my husband at the time, and it was actually him that had said, we'd gone on our first holiday, and we'd taken these pictures. And he was like, oh, I really like the way you see the world. We're in the same place, but I didn't see it, how you've captured it. Maybe you should buy a little camera. So I did, but just purely for holidays. Um, And then with this life coaching course, I was still doing that. And I got this girl from the gym to come and sit in front of the camera because I thought, let's try this. And I realized that just through speaking to her, asking questions, having having a dialogue, and then giving her something at the end of it that made her feel good about herself was kind of very similar to the life coaching that I was studying in that yeah. I felt like I was really helping somebody come in that was quite insecure. You're able to find out why they're insecure because they've broken up with someone or this has happened. You go through this process of getting them comfortable in front of the camera. You create some images that really boost their confidence and they walk away happier. So I was like, this is like a, a tool yeah. to ha- almost help people in a way and yeah. to connect with people. And that's why it started. I feel like I've had a really similar journey with that confidence story as well. It's, it's like, I remember find, like shooting with someone. It was just what I just wanted to get to know. I went to an event and it was like a foodie event. I kind of wanted to get to know some more people in the food scene. So I just messaged the people who are running that event after. And I said, like, look, I'd like to offer you all a free shoot because like, I would like to be able to give you some value to kind of get to know you. And then, yeah, my first shoot was with someone who was really, really unconfident. And they kept reminding me like before the shoot, like how unconfident they were, how much they hated being in front of camera. But then as the shoot went on, you just saw that person just gain confidence and just become a completely different person. And after like the response she gave me was just like, she couldn't believe how much she transformed within that time. And then because of that, she then told all of her friends that I was someone who could help bring confidence to you. And it's just such a magical, nice feeling, isn't it? It's the reason why I've, done photography for 10 years it's that's that feeling of making somebody happy and confident in themselves is is why I'm driven to do what I do I didn't even pick up the camera to make money there was no business there was no business in my head when I picked up that camera it it happened I took these pictures one of the girls happened to go into a modeling agency and they rang me and said are you testing we want to send you models and I, I was like well no I'm a tv presenter I've just I'm not a photographer. (laughs) I don't think I was even working in manual. I didn't understand my camera, but they still sent me these. They sent me three girls. And after that, they they rang me and they went, right, this is what you should charge. And you're going to do the whole of the website, both our websites, so it's two agencies. So I really had to run before I could walk the whole time because I didn't know, I really didn't know what I was doing with that camera for about a year probably. Um, But I was already making money, like a business had started and it was just coming it into to me. So it never, it was never me that thought, oh my goodness, I'm, I can make money from this. I was never there from the start. It was just, this makes me feel so good. I don't know what's happening. There's some magic happening and I, I just love it. 
Yeah, I feel like that's the key to anything, isn't it? It's like if you can find the happiness in it and you would do it even if no money was coming in, it's just because yeah. you genuinely enjoy it. Like that's the key to to finding that like passion. Yeah. How, how would you reckon, because obviously you were quite fortunate in the fact that that came to you. If you weren't in that situation, how do you reckon you would try and develop a passion or like try and find out what it is you wanted to do? It, I, I worked throughout I've worked more in earning money throughout university than I did actually study I was doing bits of modeling I was doing promo work I was trying to get my foot in the door for those three years um I also worked in the student bar like the the rest of my you know um friends there they pretty much just went to lectures came home you know smoked ate drank whatever And I was like, why are you wasting this time? You're going to come out in three years and what's going to happen? What do you expect to happen? Nothing's going to happen. Whereas if you, if you, you know, get the ball rolling a lot earlier with stuff, just do what you've got. It's grinding, isn't it? You've got to spend every moment that you can doing something towards what you want from the end of it. And what, I, I don't what, know how. What do you do if you don't know what you want? That's really difficult because I'm not, I don't know because I've never been in that situation because I knew I wanted to be in TV from yeah. age of eight, despite obviously everybody, including everyone at school going, don't be stupid. That's not a job. Pick a job. <laughs> and that's really difficult because you're like, yeah. well, I don't when know you're at school as well, you don't really know what there is in the world. Like, cause I'm from kind of like a small town in the Midlands and you can only become what you can see and yeah. like I didn't know what marketing was when I was at school like it just wasn't a thing like a thing like so many jobs that exist in London that I know my friends do I'm like I did not know that even existed when I was growing up see I was really fortunate again because of what my dad because he was obviously a photographer and he, yeah and my mum equally was in PR and she she did used to work in London my dad lived in London whilst we lived in Kent so I would have the experience of going up to London and seeing what he was doing. But I, I think because of my parents, I always grew up just never questioning the fact that you could do a job that you loved. Yeah. That wasn't a doubt in my mind. So like you said, you, you can only see what you can see or be what you can see. Yeah. I think that made it a lot easier for me to just grow up and be like, well, why would I not have a job that I'm passionate about and love? So I find it really difficult putting myself into somebody else's head like that. Yeah. Because that's so much harder because if you, you've really got to envision it even more, haven't you? Yeah. From what? Like from just from your own imagination. Yeah. Cause we always kind of talk about how you can't, you don't just find a passion. It's something that you work towards and like, it's only by trying stuff, you realize whether you do like it or not. And it's not like if you, if I'd have said to you, 20 30 years ago photography is what you're going to be passionate about you'd be like no it's not because you're because your dad did it yeah and you just it's not until you actually try something that you can realize that this is something that I genuinely love doing this is something I want to get up tomorrow morning and just do straight away I don't want to go to bed tonight because I can't wait to wake up tomorrow morning to go and do this thing I look back at that happened in a period of massive change in my life I'd left one relationship and met somebody new I had to move into a new place. Everything was changing around me. And I always feel that in periods of change, that's when you really have to look out for the gems that can happen. Yeah. Because when when a shift occurs, it opens up a space for something new. I, if I hadn't have 
gone through a big shift there, I wouldn't have, there's no reason that I would have picked up a camera yeah. at all. Yeah. But I was going down a different path. So change is really frightening and really scary, but, but beautiful, amazing things come out of it. So it's actually very hopeful. Yeah. I think as well, like so many people that we've talked to on our podcast, like they've gone basically exactly what you've just said there. Something big has happened in their life, whether there's been like a health issue, whether they've been made redundant from work, like something big has shaken things up that has forced them into basically just exploring stuff. And I think not enough people, like you shouldn't have to wait for that to happen. I think it's important to start that now, like go and try and find these things. Because if you don't wake up every day thinking like, I can't wait for today, then there's something that you need to do there to to shake things up and try and find that thing that it is that you do want to wake up for. It's very, very hard if I think, especially if you don't have like the support network around yeah. you to make changes like that, because so many people dream of them and do want changes in their life. But you have to be careful about who you surround yourself with because a lot of your friends, <laughs> people want you to stay as you are and stay in the place that you are in because it makes them feel more comfortable in their life because they might not want to be in that situation too. And if you manage to change it and leave it and do something new, it just highlights how unhappy they are in their situation. So yeah. you, it's so important to be around the right people that just lift you and elevate you and let you let you change it's okay to change cool so going back to so you've done these three test shoots the agency has got you to do basically shoot the full range of their models how did you then start getting work after that i didn't call myself a photographer for about three years i mean i felt embarrassed by saying but i think because my dad was a photographer and he did yeah. proper stuff i was like well i'm just shooting some girls in my living room this isn't a proper photographer so i just used to put them on my facebook page and then obviously they were tagged so their friends could see them. So every time I put a picture up, I'd get 10 inquiries and five girls would want to book in for a shoot. So it was very, like word of mouth, basically. Why didn't you want to call yourself a photographer? And at what stage did it get to where you were like, okay, this is what I am now? Because I think when you teach yourself something, you feel like an imposter. You don't, mm. you you just, it's hard to explain, but I think we obviously taught myself how to use that camera and I was aware I didn't know how to use it for quite a while and shutter speed and ISO and the rest of it I, I didn't actually didn't know what that was for a long time I was taking images that were nice but behind it all I was a bit like well if I actually bump into another photographer <laughs> what are they going to think of yeah. me um so I I really wanted to know what I was I wanted to know what I was doing I think I've always been that type of person that doesn't want to be judged on maybe I'm quite ditzy, which you might have realized from the beginning <laughs> of trying to set up this podcast. And I can't help that's part of my character, but it does mean that people are then like, oh, she's a bit stupid. So I think I've always wanted to take my time with stuff so that when I do have conversations with people, I'm like, well, I actually do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> might not look like I do, but I do. But do it you... took me a while to feel confident enough to be like, well, okay, I am a photographer. Do you, was there a moment when you kind of changed your profile name to photographer or anything like that? Was there anything yeah, to stand there was. out? Yeah, I do remember doing that. And that was a few good few years in. Um, and what was about it the, about that point that made that realisation happen? I just think I'd been doing it. I had a big bulk of work that you really looking. I think once you get far enough, you've got you. You can look back. You've got perspective. Yeah. The different people, they need different amounts of perspective. For me, that was the right amount for me to look yeah. back and go, 
okay, I've created and I'm happy with what I've created. So maybe I am. <laughs> and so, so now, how would you define a photographer? Everyone's a photographer nowadays, though, aren't they? If you yeah, look at it, because that's what they say. Yeah. Way. <laughs> but I mean, no, but in a in a really lovely way, I do think every, everybody's a photographer. Everyone has the capability of looking at something and now taking quite a good photo of it because of the iPhone. Everyone creates content. So I don't know. I think the word has changed a lot from from when I started to even before digital came around and and film film cameras were all you could use. The film photographer did thought the same thing of the digital photographer, yeah. you know, which is what the digital photographer now thinks of the iPhone photographer. It's um And how have you found it in terms of work over the past ten years? I have seen a lot of change because I was there before the Instagram. Yeah which I'm really grateful for because it gives me an amazing perspective on what Instagram is. And it is 100% not the be all and end all of what you need to be good at to, to be working. Like, Because I think a lot of young people these days, when they're thinking of starting a business, all they do is open an Instagram account and think, this is what I need to do to be successful. Yes. Um, and it's just the wrong way of doing anything in life, like running like just just calling assuming you are something before you're being told you are i just mm-hmm. i don't know that's a, i don't know what that mentality is but I, but there's definitely a lot more of that mentality in younger generations i think i don't know whether whether you would agree with me but i know that my generation were very much not shyer but almost didn't want to put ourselves out there as much until we really thought that we were worthy of it I don't know but that's how I feel with my peers and people I've grown up with whereas now it's in a way it's amazing I think it's more in the line of you know how America's always been in that it's that kind of get up and go well I'm this and I'm good at it and here I go which is so good because I think a lot of British people are very like oh I don't know if I should do that (laughs) yeah as Americans Um, have that confidence to just go out there and be like this is me I'm amazing yes but you've got to be prepared then for things to maybe not go (laughs) as well as you think they're gonna go because it's still very important to work really hard at what you're doing and become a master at it because that's what separates you from people that will come and go if you want longevity in something you have to like be authentic about it you have Mm. to to learn it and be really good at it (laughs) because how else do you expect to have a 10 20 30 career in something so for someone who doesn't count themselves as being very technical how did you learn how to use a camera just press the buttons (laughs) (laughs) i honestly i i don't know i i was i always knew what i wanted the picture to look like that was first and foremost If if i see any girl like I have some kind of skill in life in that I'm like I know what she wants to look like Mm -hmm. so the technical bit comes very much after for me after a while I think because even YouTube videos weren't a thing back then it's not like you could just go on YouTube and go oh how do you use this camera you didn't unless you read a manual and that's not for me yeah (laughs) um how do you learn so I, I think a few years in I just remember seeing something then on YouTube that when it started and being like, oh, that's what I'm doing. But I just never knew that was what I was supposed to be doing. And it's it's not, I don't think it's that. I've taught my husband to um, be a photographer. He, we work on weddings together. Um, we shoot together. I think learning something technically is not the hard part. It's the vision that's the... 
And how do you grow? How do you improve the vision? That's what will ultimately separate you from other people in life because your vision, what you see through your eyes, nobody else will ever see because it comes from everything you've ever seen in your life from being a small child that creates your vision. So no one's vision is right or wrong. Nobody's got a better vision than someone else, but that's what you have to focus on, which is why you have to not compare yourself to other people. Don't look at other people's work and don't copy other people's work because you've got to find you within your work. Ultimately, you want someone to look at your photos and go, oh, that, that I know who shot that. Yeah, because I feel like and, you definitely have that. You've achieved this style of it pops up on my feed and I'm like, cool, I know who, I know who that is straight away, which is great. Like, how, how did you develop that style over time? I don't think my styles change that much. If I, if I go through my old work and sometimes I'll put a picture up, I'm thinking, have I even improved? Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really, in a way, you're like, well, what's happened in the last 10 years? Because I don't think I've, I've done anything that much better than what I did 10 years ago. But then in, in, in another way, I'm like, well, maybe that's just, maybe that is my style then. I don't, I, obviously, things have improved <laughs> a little bit, but... Um, I don't know. It comes from what you're influenced by, doesn't it? Mine's yeah. very much, obviously, I mainly shoot women. That's what, I, that's what I focus on. And I have a style that I love women to the way that I want them to look. And that comes from me growing up looking at magazines of 80s supermodels, probably. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's my inspiration. An inspiration like nowadays have you found that that's changed like where do you go and get inspiration for now i still buy magazines i'm like the one person that is keeping <laughs> print alive and when uh, we moved house all those magazines came with us my <laughs> husband's disgust <laughs> yeah my girlfriend's the same like we've got so many bits of paper in this house um yeah i found a box of tear sheets um which i did actually throw away because I, like, I just can't bring everything but it was about that big full of content that i'd pulled out back yeah. in the day before instagram I mean, now I'm probably like everybody else. I buy the magazines, but I mainly screenshot from um, social media for inspiration. And how important do you think it is to have a unique style? Probably the most important thing. Stop worrying about what camera you're using, what lenses someone is using, what lights, how many lights. Just stop all of that and, and focus on what you want to shoot and why it's why the why is the most important word when it comes to it because if you're not coming from some authentic place you're just trying to emulate what someone else is doing you're you're never going to develop a style that is unique to you yeah just focus on yourself and what you what you like what you want to achieve it's hard I know it's hard what would your like number one piece of advice be to a young creative starting today just expect to hustle (laughs) because you need to if you love what you do you need to love it every second of the day I did not put my camera down I was sat up editing till four in the morning for about four years plus I was still doing tv so I was doing nights on telly I was shooting in the day coming back learning editing I mean I just didn't stop every moment of my life was absorbed by what I was doing and that's the more you do it, the more you create, more of it comes into your life. So I just don't think it's as simple as setting up an Instagram page and saying, I'm, I'm, I'm a photographer. So that's what I'm going to do. No, it's, it's not as simple as that. Just work, 
really hard because if you don't, there are 10 people that are working harder than you. Um, and also don't just do, I think from a business point of view, because it's obviously hard to be business and creative at the same time, but I have learned a little bit over the years, but I just don't, don't get an ego. Yeah, sure. Because at one point I was booked up nine months in advance for portfolios and I was shooting them every day, nine months. And everyone was saying, put your rates up, shoot less, uh, put your rates up. But looking ahead of that in six, seven years time, when I was like, well, it's not always going to be like this because yeah. I must have a sixth sense for, you know, people can take selfies of themselves on their iPhones. Yeah, I'm like, why, why would I do that? Because I'm going to put my rates up and drive people away. That doesn't work. And then also once the peak has happened and it comes down the other side, then what are you going to do? Start dropping your rates massively yeah. again. I just think, I don't know. I think there's much to be said about finding a middle road when it comes to what you're charging and stuff like that, rather than being like, well, I'm really popular and I'm really busy. So I'm going to charge loads. Again, it doesn't work for longevity. Yeah. Great. I've really enjoyed this. <laughs> like, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, where can people find you online? Anna Fowler Photog for Instagram. I think that's all I really use anyway is um, Instagram. I think my website's not been updated for about five years. So <laughs> we've well, got, go got time to do that now. <laughs> I know. Well, you would think that, but I've still got weddings to edit. I've actually got, ah. I joked when we went into this, um, this quarantine, I was like, if, if we come out of this and I've got, if got my backlog done, I'll be surprised. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I'm, that's what I'm hoping for at the moment anyway, is just get that backlog done. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Enjoy it.